and then you, you come and read Psalm 79. Robin. Robin. Huh? Robin. Oh, Robin. Sorry, Robin. Please join me in reading God's holy word. How long, O Lord, a psalm of Asaph. O God, the nations have come into your inheritance. They have defiled your holy temple. They have laid Jerusalem in ruins. They have given the bodies of your servants to the birds of the heavens for food the flesh of your faithful to the beasts of the earth. They have poured out their blood like water all around Jerusalem, and there was no one to bury them. We have become a taunt to our neighbors, mocked and derided by those around us. How long, O oh Lord, will, your, will you be angry forever? Will your jealousy burn like fire? Pour out your anger on the nations that do not know you and on the kingdoms that do not call upon your name. For you have devoured, for they have devoured Jacob and laid waste to his inhabitants. Do not, do not remember against us for, uh, against us our former iniquities. Let your compassion come speedily to meet us, for we are brought very low. Help us, O God, of our salvation, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and atone for our sins, for your name's sake. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Let the avenging of the outpoured blood of your servants be known among the nations before our eyes. Let the groans of the prisoners come before you according to your great power. Preserve those doomed to die. Remember sevenfold into the lap of our neighbors the taunts with which they have taunted you, O Lord. But we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. This is the holy word of the Lord. Amen. And today we come to our last catechism question. Number 52. What hope does everlasting life hold for us? And what a joyous question, because there's a great celebratory answer. It reminds us that this present fallen world is not all there is. Soon we will live with joy, God forever, in the new city, in the new heaven and the new earth, where we will be fully and forever free from all sin and will inhabit renewed resurrection bodies in a renewed, restored creation. And the short answer, let's read together. That we will live with and enjoy God forever in the new heaven and the new earth, where we will be forever free from all sin in a renewed, restored creation. And the supporting scripture comes from Revelation 21, 1 through 4, and I will read this one. 
Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. Join us in singing, He the pearly gates will open. Good morning. Let's pray. God in heaven, you are our awesome God, the one whom we obey. You are the Sovereign One, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You are the Omniscient One, the One we can trust, for You are over all, through all, and in all. O Lord, we are imperfect people who put up with the imperfections and sin all around us. We beg Your mercy and forgiveness. Please strengthen us to be your people and to resist the world's influence, to be the aroma of Christ in all we do, that your name would be glorified today and every day. We praise you when we know that you are able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. We love you, Lord. We pray in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. You know, those are, as we sing these songs, it just reminds us of what we have, what we look forward to, and that it's just exciting. The question, the, cate the catechism question, what hope does the everlasting life hold? us. In other words, where is my hope? That is the question that you and I ask today. And again, I just want to read through that catechism answer, and it says it reminds us that this present, uh, this present fallen world is not all there is. Soon we will live with and enjoy God forever in the new city, in the new heaven, and, in, on, and the new earth, where we will be fully and forever freed from all sin and will inhabit renewed, resurrected bodies in a renewed, restored creation. And again, that is just an amazing, amazing answer. Just something to look forward to. Something that we're all excited about. And, uh, you know, in, in Revelation 21, uh, uh, 1 through 7, let me just read that for you. Uh, it says, uh, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the new and I saw the holy city, 
new, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be uh, with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And again, just, you know, I just uh, think about, you know, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And one of the things that I, uh, as I've been reading through scripture and, and uh, you know, I, I just love it when God says, I will be your God and you will be my people all the way. This is a covenant promise of God that God has promised that these things are fulfilled right here in Revelation 21. And we look forward to that day. And so I just want to just say a couple things just as we move through this. Where is my hope? And again, this, it's, just, it's something that we need to be asking, where is my hope? You know, sometimes I, I've been at, at funerals, memorial services, and uh, and I've actually had people say this to me. Well, I hope I'm good enough to get there. I, I hope I'm okay. Um, uh, you know, and, and I hope, I hope, and, and uh, but I just want, you know, when we ask this question, we do have hope, and his name is Jesus. But I just want to just say this. First, that you're not stuck. You're just not stuck, okay? Uh, we're reminded that this present fallen world is not all there is. You are not encased in concrete. Your life is not a dead end. In other words, the environment that you and I are living in uh, is not the environment that, that existed when God created the world. The environment that you and I one day will exist in won't be the same environment that we are now living in today. And that is amazing. That is great hope for you and I. In other words, when Adam and Eve rebelled against God, God's, uh, against God, peace or shalom, if we could say that, was shattered. And when Jesus returns, peace will be fully restored. And so just the thing that we were going to reflect on today in, in the sense of hope is that the possibility of change has not slipped through your fingers. Uh, it, is not, it has not slipped through your fingers. You know, this, this weekend, Teresa and I uh, went on a, a family camp out and... Uh, and and so last uh, last Friday evening, uh, one of my nephews showed up with his his twin his, his twin sons, my my great nephews, and uh, man, they got out of the truck. They had their little trucks, they they had their little cars and trucks and shovels and everything, and they ran right to the nearest dirt pile. Well, the dirt pile wasn't enough for them. There was an old ash pit sitting there uh, right next to the dirt pile, and they just started digging around in that ash pit. Well, pretty soon they were grabbing it and throwing it in the air, and scooping, and then they were pouring it on each other's head. And uh, it was just amazing. I mean, they were filthy. They were just disgustingly filthy. And they were sweaty, and it was sticking to their bodies everywhere. And their mom, Melissa, came out, and she goes, what are you doing? And they, and they, they were just laughing and giggling and just having fun. And I, and I, I just, you know, uh, change came when their mom found them, Okay. So mom ushered them back into the trailer and cleaned them up and sent them back out. So, uh, so I just want you to know this morning that here is a hope. Change is possible for you and me, even in the places where change seems hopeless. And, uh, and that is important for us to remember. And, and the question we might ask is why? Because the giver of trans, transformative grace has made you and me the place where his presence dwells. 
And in Galatians chapter, Galatians chapter 20, verse 20, uh, Galatians 2, verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life uh, that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And, and that is so important, folks, that, that we understand that, that change is coming. And, and so I just want us to understand, if you were to ask, what, what is God doing? What is God working on right now? What is he doing? And I just want you to know that between the work of your salvation, the already, and the not yet of your sanctification, he is, the, the answer could be this one word, change. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So first, I just want us to understand that, that there is a work of personal growth and change that theologians call progressive sanctification. And here, here's, I just want to kind of define this out, flesh it out. This is God's lifelong commitment to make us, uh, make us what he declared us to be in justification, and that is righteousness. And again, a, a passage that I want to read to you out of, out of a, a Second Corinthians chapter, Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, verse twenty-one. It says that he who he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that he might. Uh, make us his righteousness. So God has taken our unrighteousness and poured it into Christ. And it says and in exchange, he poured into us his righteousness. So God is in the process of, change, of changing you and I. So think about it. Every situation, every location, and every relationship of our lives, God is employing people, places, and things as his tools of transformative grace. For change, God is using the toughest situations in our life. And, and in other words, I just want to say God is not resting. He does not leave the work of his hands. He takes no breaks. He is relentlessly working to change us into all that his grace makes possible for us. And again, uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all with unveil unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image of from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And again, one of the things that we just need to understand and grasp, uh, uh, by the way, I didn't dismiss kids. So, sorry, just remember that. Total, uh, primary school kids, if they haven't gone, you, you could go. So, all right, so sorry about that. I, we just haven't done it in a long time, so all right. So forgive me, uh, forgive me on that one. So we're God is in the process of changing you and I. He is He is just in the process of of making us new, and uh, and 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 again, I just want you to know that He will not He will not be content for you and I to be just a little bit better. He will make us right and better and perfect. He will make us like His Son. He will work by grace until we are finally, totally, as it says, freed from sin. So I just want you to know that, folks. Every every little microbe of sin that rests in your body, that lot that rests in your body, that lies inside of you, 
will be completely eradicated. Is that an amen? I mean, completely. I mean, even when you wake up in the morning and you, you kind of have a thought that is drifting towards not so good, okay? You know, I mean, you know, Teresa has those every morning when I do something. So, no, not really. So those will be completely eradicated. Those will be gone when we all get to heaven, all right? And uh, you and I will be molded into the image of his perfectly righteous son, Jesus Christ. So again, we need to understand that, that God is at work. He is working in us to change and transform us. And second, the zealous Savior is also a dissatisfied creator. In Romans chapter 8, verses 8 through 21, and I want to read that to you. So if you want to turn there, Romans chapter 8, 18 through 25. Romans 8, 18 through 25. For I consider that the suffering of this present time, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits the, uh, with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that uh, now hope that is seen is not hope, but who hopes for, for who hopes for what is, what he sees? But we hope for what we do not see. We wait for it patiently. And again, we are reminded that our Creator is not satisfied with where we are, and that is so important for us to understand. God is not content to leave this world in its present sin-scarred condition. So there will be a day when he will make all things new. He will return the world to the condition that it was before sin left it so damaged. Change is really all about the zeal of our Redeemer. We find that in 2 Thessalonians 11 through 14, which I'll read later. And in our, the environmental changes, we find that again in Revelation chapter 21, 1 through 5. And, and then I just want to read this to you. This is a passage that we usually read during our nativity time in, in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall, shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Prince of Peace. For the increase of his government and peace and of peace will be there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So are you ever disappointed with yourself? Okay. Um, are you grieved at the sin in your relationships or upset with the condition of your world and you cry out for change? You crying out for something that hits, uh, 
your crying hits right at the heart of, or the center of the zeal of, of your Savior's grace. And I just want you to know that that is so important that, and, and, and we'll move into this, the third change doesn't mean that you will get what you wish for, uh, that your wish list of the things that you want or that you think you will get to receive the good life. In other words, change doesn't mean that God will turn the people in your life around to the people that you would like them to be. Sorry, I'm sorry, okay? So, and change surely doesn't mean that God will exercise his power to make life easier and more pleasurable according to your own definition of what pleasure is. But you can rest assured that where change is needed, there, uh, there is a God of grace who knows just where that change is needed to take place and offers you everything that you need so that it can so that it will happen. And I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Titus 2, 11 through 14. And it says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, training us in order that denying empathy and worthless desire, we may live self-controlled and righteously and godly in the present age, looking forward to the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our, of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us in order that he might redeem us from all lawlessness and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Folks, can I just tell you this? God, God took us, God justifies us, God cleansed us. He is transforming us. He empowers us. He infuses us with eternal hope. And he makes us his people. None of these things would happen to us if he had not willingly given himself for us because we had no inclination or ability to do them on our own. And we need to understand that none of this would happen, would have happened, unless Christ took the initiative. So you and I are left with no reason to boast and every reason to give ourselves to thankful worship. And you and I have every reason to be encouraged because this Redeemer has not acted out, acted on our behalf just once. He hasn't just acted on our behalf just once. He has acted, he is acting, and he continues to act until we stand before him as his people. And again, that is such a, a, a breath of fresh air. That is hope. We will be completely pure and changed forever. You see, one of the things I just want to let you know, just speaking from my heart, speaking from the Word of God, you see, if you and I could have done these things for ourselves, the life the sacrifice, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ would not have been necessary. The most precious things in our lives, our relationship with God, we did not earn. It is the wonderful, eternal, transformative gift of His grace.
And that is so amazing. And so again, I just want to read this, this catechism question. It reminds us that this present fallen world is not all there is. Soon we will live with and enjoy God forever in the new city, in the new heaven, and in the new earth, where we will be fully and forever freed from all sin and will inhabit renewed, resurrected bodies in a renewed, restored creation. And that is so amazing for us. That is that is empowering, folks. That is, that is something to get out of bed in the morning for. That is just something that you should be joyful for. So again, where is your hope? Your hope is in the work of Jesus Christ. You're not stuck. You're not stuck. He is in the process of changing you. The zealous Savior, he is a zealous Savior who is also a dissatisfied creator, and he will not leave his creative work as it is now. He will change it. He will change you. He will restore you to what he intended you to be. And last, change doesn't mean that you'll get your wish list of things that you think will give you a good life. All right? That's not what heaven is all about, folks. That is not what heaven is all about. A good life is to be with God. You know, one of the things as I was studying and preparing for this that, that I just want to say, you know, heaven will not be boring. You know, sometimes, sometimes as we, uh, uh, you know, I, I've had uh, young people as, as I've talked and taught, it just says, well, heaven just seems like it will just be boring. No, no, heaven will not be boring. We will be sitting at the feet of Christ. You will be forever changed. Your mind will be renewed. Your heart will be renewed. You won't have any sin in you. You will be like Christ. And you will want to know the things of God. You will want to know. You will inquire about God. You will be moved by God. And, and you know, one of the things that, that I think about, I, I just, you know, I, I just think about my, my, my great nephews just playing in the dirt. Uh, maybe we'll get to play in dirt, but won't get dirty. Who knows? I don't know. But 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 here's the thing: you will be clean, and and Jesus Christ will just be amazing. He will be with you, and I just want you to understand that. And that is that's what gives you and I hope for for eternal life, and that is so important for us. So we just want to we just want to close and sing a song. And I just want to pray as we sing, as we, as we prepare to sing. Father, we just come before you. We want to say thank you for loving us. Lord, thank you for giving us hope. Lord, thank you for renewing our hearts. Uh, Lord, as we're going to sing, what a day that will be. Uh, Lord, we just want to say thank you that, that, God, that you have given us an amazing life here, but it does not compare with the life that is to come. Uh, Lord, thank you that you are working uh, through the already of our salvation to the not yet of our, of our sanctification and our glorification, Father. We just want to say thank you, Lord. It gives us great hope that you are not done working on us, that you will change us from the inside out. God, we just want to say thank you. We love you. 
And God, we worship you. Lord, we just ask that you would fill our hearts with hope. Lord, let us speak of the hope of Christ Jesus that rests, that lies within us. Uh, God, we, we lift you up and we want to say thank you. God, we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.